Are you suffering from back pain? Well, I've got the thing just for you. 15 surefire tips for relieving back pain, plus 192 others just in case, volume 1, available at Amazon.com. Over 30 million Americans are suffering with back pain at this very moment. The vast majority of these cases are either caused or exacerbated by common lifestyle factors. Many of the same factors may be causing you pain right now. Join board-certified physician Andrew Kirshner as he guides you through the parts of your life where these problems occur and gives you simple, safe, and effective solutions for these common daily pitfalls. In this fun and informative book, you will learn how to identify the aspects of your life which may be causing you pain, how to create a back-friendly environment, how you can improve your pain by improving your sleep, ways to make a pain-free commute, how you can perform daily activities without making your pain worse, and much more. Andrew Kirshner is so well respected in the field of back pain relief. He has you know, famous clients such as DJ Jazzy Jeff. He has done uh, many talks and lectures at universities in the UK. He has appeared on QVC demonstrating back pain relief products and that is because he is an expert in his field and people trust him. Also, check out the five star reviews on Amazon.com. This is the book that you need if you suffer from back pain. That's 15 surefire tips for relieving back pain plus 192 others just in case. Volume 1 available at Amazon.com in paperback. Check the link below the show for more information. <laughs> What's the matter with you? You don't act like the other chickens do. You wear a disguise to look like human guys, but you're not a man, you're a chicken boo. Who does he think he is? Come around here with his bloody podcasts. Welcome to another episode of Pablo's Poppin' Podcast. I hope everyone's doing okay. You may hear wind outside. It is literally the windiest day in the history of wind and days and history. Um, yeah, it's very, very windy. Uh, I woke up this morning and... Um, sounds like the start of a blues song, doesn't it? Uh, but <laughs> I woke up this morning and found uh, the clothes uh, that I had hung up uh, in the back garden, just strewn all over the garden. So yeah, that was fun. Um, it was kind of funny though, because the cat usually wants to be let out first thing, and I was like, "Are you sure? Because you're gonna get blown away by the wind. <laughs> you're gonna end up just miles away." And uh, she ran out. And <laughs> just she's a hefty cat. She's quite big, uh, but uh, she wasn't any match for uh, for the hurricane that is going on outside, which was quite funny. Um, that's why they're indoor cats, you know. It's <laughs> Like, I feel bad about, um, sometimes about them being house cats. They're, they're quite old and they've always been house cats, but, uh, nah, they couldn't, they couldn't cope on the outside. They're like, uh, Brooks on Shawshank Redemption, you know, they've become institutionalized now. Um, yeah, they, they, they won't be used to the, uh, changing world outside. Um, today's guest is Romeo Dance Cheater. Now, I have an Instagram page for the other podcast, a wrestling podcast called Turn Chuckle, and the cool thing about it is you see, you really do see the power of the hashtag, and people are finding 
the Instagram page where I'm posting random bits from my collection. Uh, it's quite an extensive collection, but it, you know, also a little bit niche as well. And um, people are enjoying it. And the point of it is not just some kind of like, hey, look at the shit I have. You know, love me for it. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm kind of driving people to the Turnchuckle podcast where I interview various former WWF superstars, current wrestlers. You know, I, I've been very, very lucky in uh, that regard. So the with the hashtags on Instagram, it has brought a, a, a massive range of um, people to the page, and some of them have, you know, established careers in their own right in the entertainment industry and. Um, Romeo Dance Cheater is uh, certainly no exception. I like to, you know, because I'm, I'm a bit nosy, I do like to check out who likes the page and, you know, look at the page and stuff like that. Because yeah, I've been liked by MMA fighters, uh, current WWE employees, uh, past WWE employees, so it's, it's really nice. And, um,. This guy's uh, Instagram page, it, it immediately just entertained the hell out of me. So I, I had to find out a little bit more about him. Because on his uh, Instagram, it says that he has been on American Idol. I didn't know what it was that he did. Um, and we'll be going into that during the interview. Um, I, I just started watching some of his YouTube. And, you know, he's a singer. He, he can dance. He can act. He can do just about everything. Um, and he's incredibly, incredibly entertaining. Um, and we have a great... Uh, a great chat as well and we do talk about wrestling as well so um it's a, it's a lot of fun so it it just shows the instagram is working and, and in ways that i didn't even think that it could and um yeah he's a really good guy and uh, you will be heavily entertained by him and, and i'll be playing a song of his uh, before the interview as well um so yeah, do check out uh, Turnchuckle on Instagram if you're a wrestling fan. That will lead you to everywhere you need to go. Check out the archives on the Podbean page and on iTunes where I've interviewed not just wrestlers, but actors, authors, singers, uh, musicians, um, filmmakers, all kinds. Um, yeah, I, I'm <laughs> losing my friend, losing my, uh, I, I can't even make a point um, i'm losing my uh tr my tr i'll just shut up now i'll just leave i'll just put the interview on no no I, I do actually need to talk um i'm losing my mind basically um yes I, I, of course i want to thank andrew kirshner 15 show five tips for relieving back pain can't recommend the book enough he sponsors the show and uh, he is a musician, he's a friend, he's a collaborator, he's a, he's a doctor and um, he has been with the show since day one. So do check out the book, you know, I, I'm not saying this passively or um, without seriousness, his support of the show helps keep the show running. So I do appreciate it and if you have everyday pack problems, this book will come in incredibly handy for you and you can also buy it on Kindle as well. Uh, on Podbean, there is a link at the top of the page. It's a patron button, not Patreon, uh, patron where you can just kind of help support the show financially if you like. Uh, because I am a self-employed musician uh, and a carer, henceforth I am broke all the fucking time. Um, so if you want to help and I'm trying to think of things that you can get in return uh, like and I have some ideas and I'm gonna make an announcement in a little bit but um, yeah if, if you know if you are entertained by the interviews your support helps keep me going basically and uh, you can subscribe on iTunes feel free to leave a five-star review all of that um, <laughs> you know I, I you know you know the score you hear it on every podcast um, 
I, I do mean it though, but you know, I, I need to think of more entertaining ways to say it as well, so you know. Um, that's pretty much it. I'm, I'm kind of, the last week I've kind of been writing for the album. Uh, we, we played a, a, a very fun gig at the Bridge Hotel, my band Toxic Melons. If you're into sort of uh, really catchy power pop, um, hopefully, then you will like Toxic Melons. Um, we were up against Ed Sheeran. Ed Sheeran was playing St. James's Park, the big football stadium, and he sold it out three days in a row, and I was just like, well, no one in Newcastle is going to come to our gig. The gig was pretty well packed, and I actually sold some records as well, which is which is quite nice. And uh, apart from that, there's not a lot, I, I sound really boring, don't I? But there's not a lot going on. I do have, actually, a major, major guest announcement. It's a wrestling-related one. Um, I can't quite yet tell you who it is, the interview should be this Sunday, uh, but you know, I, I know because usually I would make the announcement before the interview and have fan questions. I've got so much I want to ask him. Um, <laughs> you won't get lucky, basically. You know, I'm gonna nerd the hell out. It's gonna be possibly the most fun interview. I could possibly retire after this interview, so uh, do keep an eye out if you are a wrestling fan. And uh, before we go into my interview with Mr. Romeo Dance Cheetah. I've, I've always said that there's not enough songs about interspecies love um, and Romeo Dance Cheetah steps up to the plate with this wonderfully catchy song called Porcupine Love and do check the video on YouTube as well, it's funny as hell and uh, then we'll be going straight into my interview with Mr. Romeo Dance Cheetah. But I'm a big bald eagle bound for the sky. Come on. I moonwalked on water one time. I did an MJ kick, then I healed the blind. A shaman. Better love me like a fucking vine. Give me thumbs and needles and love behind. Come on. Come on. The honey Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, you're so tough. Eagle I see from way up above. Let's get it on, make puppy love. Pokepons box, yeah, you're so tough. Eagle I see from way up above. Let's get it on, make puppy love. Get it on, no. The best thing about making my Instagram solely a wrestling page for the Turntruckle podcast is that I see the power of the hashtag. It's a lot of fun to see such a wide range of wrestling fans interact with the page from MMA fighters, uh, former WWF superstars, and possibly the most fun person I have ever come across on Instagram. He is actor, singer, dancer, style icon, filth merchant, and someone who knows that his ass looks damn fine in a pair of tight pants. All the way from Chicago, Illinois, it's Romeo Dance Cheetah. How are you doing today? Hey, I'm doing great. Did you say filth merchant? Yeah, I, I kind of, I kind of gathered that. I think, like, you know, the filth is there and it's good. Like, you know, I'm, okay. I'm, I'm a fan of filth. Like clean filth. Oh yeah, clean filth. I okay. Mean, you know, like car- yeah. carry on movies and stuff like that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah totally. Nailed it. <laughs> double, en- double entendre. You know, to the max. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, you are you um, calling all the way from Chicago, Illinois, at the moment, and yeah, I messed that up as well because it's kind of east coast isn't it or is it not chicago is right in the middle coast that makes it is the no coast it's the no coast that makes we have a lake Uh, we have a lake we have a great lake but that's about that's about (laughs) it see that's why i I was keep thinking that it was meant to be an hour ago because i'm used to interviewing people on the west coast or the east coast and you know i'm used to those time differences but not central is it central central yeah smack dab in the in the middle. There you go. Uh, so, yep. um, so I've got to ask as well because, like, with a lot of guests that I have on the show, I kind of know them and have done a lot of research on them, and I'm a fan. And you know, I only found you what, like, maybe a week ago because you liked something on the Instagram page, and I became a fan instantly because you're hilarious. Um, yeah. So you, were you always a wrestling fan then? We're not just going to talk about wrestling, by the way. This is just like sure. <laughs> but I did see. I like that. to start. I like to start every new conversation with wrestling. I think that's that's a litmus test to see if we can, you know, continue uh, talking. Absolutely. Um, well, I saw a post that the Ultimate Warrior was uh, one of your childhood childhood heroes. Yeah, he, totally. So um, yeah, I've been a wrestling fan for a long time. I kind of have, you know. As a kid, grew up watching it. My dad, my brother, it was a big thing. You know, that we, our time period was definitely like the Ultimate Warrior, sort of towards the end of the Hulk Hogan, mm-hmm. Macho Man era, <clears throat> that sort of thing. Um, 
so I've been a fan of the classic stuff. I kind of, you know, got out of it a little bit, like towards, you know, later sort of teenage years, but then I've slowly been getting back into it recently. And now I'm, I'm like kind of totally, I've got turned my wife on to wrestling and she loves it. So now it's like, we're all in. That's amazing. And, and not to stereotype, cause I've got a lot of friends who, their girlfriends are not interested in wrestling, but then they get to see like Randy Orton in like skin tight underpants and you know then they instantly become fans all of a sudden so is was that like a was that a selling point there's something for everyone yeah (laughs) in sense because yeah because you know my you know somebody married me that definitely loves skin tight you know underpants or leotards or whatever because that's what i wear um and so it was a very natural easy progression to wrestling uh so was that like a, a major influence on your your performance style like did you want to wrestle or did you always like sort of move more into the performing arts kind of period uh period uh area yeah i think i mean you know it's like everybody wants to be you know anybody who is in maybe into sports when they're a kid they want to be a football player or a or a baseball player i think i wanted to be a wrestler and if i couldn't be a wrestler then i wanted to at least dress the part and run around (laughs) Uh, on a stage of some sort and and that sort of thing. So I think the you know the entertainment world, I think uh, I think wrestling fits right in there. So that's that's that was the second best option. Totally. So did you get all the toys and everything when you were a kid? Yeah, I had like you know the Ultimate Warrior that did the the Gorilla Press. You yeah. Know, you flick the back of it, little button kind of a thing. I had. I can't remember. I mean, I, I think I had most of them and and uh you know they all had some sort of move um i didn't have the technology to to do the uh ravishing rick rude um sort of like hip pelvic gyration thing (laughs) that just wasn't in the cards in the you know late 80s early 90s but um but yeah i i I definitely collected the toys see the thing is as well like like I swear I'm not a virgin, and I kind of have to tell people that when I tell, <laughs> when, I, when I kind of tell them like show them my collection. Like I, w- I was a bit sort of um, going back and forth on whether I should make the the Instagram page like make my collection like a selling point of the podcast sort of thing. And it's it's kind of I kind of underestimated the uh, nostalgia and how many people are still like even if they're not massive wrestling fans now the fact that they will still get entertainment out of looking at this old stuff that maybe they had as a kid and stuff like that and you know i would have probably stopped collecting stuff a long time ago if it wasn't for the fact that wwe know how to milk the teat of uh <laughs> nostalgia and you know i'm i'm, I'm the nostalgic teat the yes. n- nostalgic teat and i'm along for the ride like the capitalist sheep that i am um and i have just about everything which is uh, which is a bit worrying and it says it does make uh, maintaining a relationship a little bit hard that's why i live with the cats now the cats don't yeah. judge the cats don't judge they will knock things off shelves and um break expensive things but they won't judge because they've got no right because they spend the time licking their own asshole. So, you know. Yeah. Yeah. They don't know, sh- they don't know shit. They don't know so shit. So do you – all of the stuff that you have, like that I see on your Instagram page, This is this all stuff that you own? This – yeah, this is my stuff. It's – um Amazing. It's <laughs> eBay has a lot to answer for um, because yeah. back in the day – because in the UK – 
not a lot of this stuff was available and it was kind of you would see it in the magazines and all that kind of thing or you'd see it on tv being advertised and and it wasn't like i was get you know i don't come from a wealthy family or anything so it wasn't like i want this you know can you get me this kind of thing it was like christmas birthdays sort of thing um but since then uh i've very much been reliving my childhood probably a bit too much to the point where i have like empty packets of uh you know uh, potato chips with randy savage on the cover and all that kind of thing so yeah it's it's a bit weird but we're not here to talk about my weirdness <laughs> well well Okay. Well, no, Fair no, enough. we can, we can. I don't. We can sprinkle it in. <laughs> sprinkle it in. Um. So at uh, school, then was uh, your creative side kind of um, was it encouraged? Um, and I, I, it sounds like a cliched question, but did you really stand out from the class sort of thing? Was everyone else more into sports, and you were really in the entertainment sort of side? Yeah, I think. You know, I was I was into both. You know, I I played like I played you know football, American football. I played baseball. I played sports growing up, and I was pretty competitive. Um, but I also that yeah that creativity was definitely nurtured at a young age. I think to to the point of to an extreme point where um, I had a mom who basically just supported every single thing I did and and never gave me any sort of like guardrails as to like what might not be accept, acceptable in public That's sort of a cool. thing. Yeah. And so, that, I mean, it's like a wonderful, wonderful thing to have such so much love in your life at a young age and, and supportive and, and everything that you do is just amazing. And she'd always say, oh, he's just being creative. <laughs> he's just so creative. No matter what I was doing, whether I was, you know, build, you know, making a, a, a glitter costume to wear to school uh-huh. that day or, or, or whatever it was, um, you know, it was just, it was totally cool. So that was like really wonderful. Uh, but at the same time, then you have no, you have no social, you have no understanding of social norms, um, in, in school or, or, or with the kids. So you kind of just do things because you think that they're totally normal, yeah. even though they're not. So I think that air guitar was a perfect place. So I, so I'm a, I'm an air guitarist. And I perform air guitar in competitions. And uh, that is the perfect place where competition and entertainment come together. Sort of like wrestling. Yeah. Uh, well, the, the air guitar thing, that was kind of... I know it's, it's crazy because that is maybe what you're best known for. But that is the last thing that I found out about you. Because um, on your Instagram page, it says that you won American Idol. And um, I was like, oh, well, it must have been singing or dancing or acting or something and there was the air guitar thing and i was like okay this is amazing um <laughs> and and i'm, I'm reasonably somewhat familiar with it because there are air guitar championships like this is like a really serious thing and like i'm a huge huge queen fan and i saw a video of you wearing a queen t-shirt which is amazing um mm-hmm. and brian may uh, uh, i mean it's gonna be about coming up 20 years now he released a series of air guitar albums um and he kind of became really good friends with whoever the air guitar champion was in the UK. Um, so yeah, no, it's a, it's, a, it's a really big deal. And, you know, a lot of people get enjoyment out of it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where everybody's done it, but, you know, you can also do it. You can also take it to the next level and 
compete for a world champ. You can be a you can be a champion of the world <laughs> at at something. Yeah. Uh, how fun do, how do you with air guitar? keep it original do you have to include lots of like sort of stage sort of kind of paraphernalia and um or is it like a lot of the time is it just you with your crotch hugging you know pants and that's pretty much it mostly just the crotch hugging thing that's all that's all you need sometimes that's real i don't know yeah i mean it's the kind of the basics it's the fundamental (laughs) table stakes Uh but i think it helps to understand what air guitar is judged on um and and understanding what the judges are looking for that's important to know and what the audience gets excited about so there's so it's judged it's there's usually three to five judges and there are three categories one is stage presence Mm -hmm. which is just kind of like that crotch hugging thing if you're you know what are the moves you're putting out there what are the sort of your your character your outfits, all these different things that sort of project your best you to the crowd, to the judges, that stage presence. And the second thing is technical merit. So it actually looks like your fingers are hitting notes that the song is hitting. And then the third thing is airness, which it's just, they say it's, it's kind of like porn, you know, you know, when you see it, Uh (laughs) but it's not really well, it's not very easy to, talk about. Um, nobody, you can't really define it. It's kind of like that it factor. So, so no, having, having a, the ultimate combination of those three things is what's going to, um, help you succeed on the stage. So what made you kind of, I, cause I know you do lots of things, but, uh, what made you pursue, um, a guitar over the other things that you do? Like, or do you do all of them in equal measure and the, the air guitar is just the thing that's happened to have, kind of taken off a bit more yeah i you know it's definitely a thing that i it's, i can't take anything i take you know what i take i was about to say i can't take anything seriously <laughs> but i take but i take jokes very seriously uh-huh. um and so as long as it's totally absurd and incredibly silly mm-hmm. then i will take that very very seriously and so air guitar fits that that bill. And the reason why I got into it was because I was performing on a tour with my mustache themed rap band called the flavor savers flavor. Saver, and yeah, I've just been checking out some of that stuff as well. It's amazing. <laughs> thanks. Yeah. We're having a good time. And, and so we were on this tour and we were playing this like variety show. So there's all these different kinds of acts and bands and comedy things and whatever. And the, the, <clears throat> one of the acts was the air guitar, uh, U.S. Air Guitar Champion, which I had never heard of before. This was in like, this was like ten years ago, and I was like, "What is this? I mean, this has got to be like a bunch of drunk idiots just dancing around on stage." And I got to the performance, and that's exactly what it was. But <laughs> it was also like, "Holy cow! These guys really practiced this mm. insan- insanity. They are like hitting all the notes. They're really entertaining. It's really funny. It's a lot of fun." And so I asked, you know, the U.S. Air Guitar Champion at the time, his name was William Ocean. He, uh, I asked him, what is this? He's like, yeah, there's a competition around the world, and they have them in Chicago, and you should try it out. So I tried it. I think it was like a month later. I found out about it. I practiced really quick, dusted off the old axe, and, and then I ended up winning the, 
the Chicago championship. That's amazing. So is, that's, is that the thing that sort of spurred you on to um, do American Idol? Uh, America's Got Talent, sorry. America's Got Talent. Yeah, I mean, the America's Got Talent thing was, I mean, all of this stuff is, <laughs> you would think maybe that I planned any of this stuff out, or I mean, I, it just, it really just sort of, one one absurd thing led to another, and <clears throat> for the America's Got Talent thing, it was I literally was contacted by the show, and they were looking for, you know, perf- like new performers, mm-hmm. and uh, I think they found me on YouTube, and they just asked if I would uh, audition, and I I literally I did like a Skype audition, and uh, they were like, okay, we'll see you on TV. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, all right. So, I mean, that was this kind of yeah. They they just you know found a ridiculous video and, and there you have it. So when when did you um had you been making YouTube content for a lot time a long time and uh, did one did one air guitar video sort of randomly take off massively? Or yeah, I don't know. I mean, I we certainly have you know with the flavor savers the the rap <laughs> comedy rap dance disco sexy. Uh, leotard band uh-huh. um that you know is something we made you know we've made sketch comedy videos we've made music videos we've made stuff like that for a long time um the air guitar stuff is mostly people just you know at a show with their video camera capturing stuff putting it on their own youtube page and i think just after a while you know you gather enough ridiculousness on on the internet somebody might notice it and I think that's what, and also the fact that the world, the world air guitar competition, I mean, it is a world event. It is, there is like a sort of a community around it and it is sort of unique. So if I think that has something to do with it, just being part of that bigger global community. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. I totally get it as well. Like sort of trying to, I, I hate the, I, I, cla- well, no, I don't class myself as it, but I've been called online content provider, which I hate. Um, like how do you, you're, you're an online content provider. I, I guess I am. Well, uh, it, well, how, yeah. An offline yeah, content provider. Yeah. An offline content provider would be, I don't know what that would involve to be fair. Um, that would just be standing on the street shouting at people. Maybe you'd have one of those signs around your neck and this that's like, you know, you're dancing out in front of the pawn shop and <laughs> trying to get people to come in, I guess. This is true. So when um, when kind of YouTube and social media first started, did you grab it with both hands or did it sort of take a little while to really get what the platforms could do for you sort of thing? <clears throat> yeah, I'm still trying to to figure it out. You know, it's definitely not my – I think some people are are, especially younger generation, are like – they're born with it, and this is just what how that's part of every day for some people. Yeah. Whereas <clears throat> for me, I don't know how old you are, but I, you know, the internet sort of really came along halfway through. You know, I was already sort of functioning as an adult, you know, a young adult or whatever, and <clears throat> it. I'm still kind of, you know, it's still not totally natural to me. It's kind of like. You know, I nearly, I nearly adopted the internet. You know, I was bo- the other people were born in it. So, it's it's something that I think that I just it started out as just a fun thing to you know, hey, you can post a video online. Let's make a wacky video and share it with our friends. And I think one thing leads to another. If you know, you make something that really connects with people, or 
grosses people out or whatever it is, uh, it starts to get shared. And then it kind of gets a little addicting. You're like, oh, yeah, I want, I want to make more stuff that people – that make people feel things. Yeah. Well, and the, it, that's the thing. I mean, I, I've just turned 32. How old are you, if you don't mind me asking? I'm 35. Okay. See, like I remember the first time I went on the internet. That was like a huge deal. Um, like sort of. Yeah. Like, what was your first? What was your first like page that you went to on the internet? Uh, what did right, you do? Um, it's really bad, but I think me, m- myself, and a friend went onto a chat room and uh, pretended we were something that we weren't. It wasn't anything at all like bad. It was just like mm-hmm. the fact that you could go on a chat room and change the color of the background of the chat room. That was like really exciting, and you know, mm-hmm. uh, so it wasn't. Like, um, th- I don't know how it, how it was in the States, but because um, obviously everything now is just like monthly subscription or whatever. But back then it was like a uh, one penny per minute sort of thing. But that was after 6 p.m. So that was like off peak time, I guess. Uh, so we had to wait until 6 p.m. to be able to go on the Internet so that it wouldn't cost too much money. Because I think it was something like pound fifty a minute or something like that before six. Um, but right. yeah, I basically used the internet for... Um, back then, well, I, it's really bad. You would think porn, no. Um, mm. back, back then, uh, well... <laughs> what were you chatting about? What Was this like, like a... <laughs> a basket weaving uh, chat room. What was the chat room? I he well, um, my friend Lee was just I, I, well. He thinks he was talking to a girl, but come on, let's face it. Mm. It was probably like a sixty-five. It was me. It was. It was pro- me. It might be you. Um, I think we were all in that chat room together. <laughs> we uh, we were the first people on the internet mm-hmm. ever, and we started just yeah. That's how it all started. See what I used the internet for. Really, um, we didn't get uh, Raw Monday Night Raw until Friday. So um, when I found out that you could find out what happened on WWF.com at the time, I found out the results and then I would kind of predict them to friends and kind of make mm-hmm. a little bit of money. From, <laughs> I would make some money from it as well. Cause I'd be That's like, amazing. Yeah. <laughs> That's how like sort of in its infancy, you know, not the internet as such, but people's, well, at least friends' uh, use of the internet. Because computers were expensive back then and, you know, only sort of the rich kids around where I lived had a computer and the internet. I had I had my Super Nintendo and I was very very happy with that. It's all you needed right, back right. then. So, oh yeah. Um. So um. With I I could be looking far too much into it, but you, on the video that I saw, you were wearing a Queen T-shirt. So like, is Queen like just like a huge favorite of yours? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I grew, <clears throat> I definitely grew up in with classic rock. Um, in my, just, that's what we listened to. There was a radio station called 101 The Fox, where I'm from, and it was just all classic rock, and, you know, it was, it was like Queen and Led Zeppelin and Rolling Stones and that kind of stuff, and this Queen really sort of stood out uh, at a young age, and since then, and, you know, I just find myself doing impersonations, you know, growing up, and of Freddie Mercury, and try to air, you know, a lot of my air guitar was to, uh, to queen songs and that sort of thing. And, and so, you know, when I, when, when I, I also have a band, Romeo Dance Cheetah solo project thing where we play like rock music and we play, we play shows and around Chicago and that sort of thing. And we play, you know, a couple of queen songs and 
it's just my my opportunity to just do like a Freddie Mercury impersonation at least once every couple of weeks. So yeah, I've I've seen some of uh, the pictures of you on stage and uh, some of the photo shoots, and it's hard not to see Freddie Mercury in those pictures. Like I'd, I'll be disappointed if the mustache isn't real. <laughs> well, it's certainly real, a hundred percent. And it, you know, I'm kind of like Mr. Potato Head, though. So, like, <laughs> sometimes the mustache is on, sometimes it's a full beard, and I, you know, I look like a totally different person. Sometimes I'm like clean shaving. It just kind of depends on what's what the, what the mood that strikes me and the the time of year. So, Chicago, we get all the seasons. Uh-huh. It's hot as hell right now, but just a couple weeks ago, it was like 40 degrees. Fahrenheit, which yeah. I guess is, I don't know how cold that is um, here in Celsius, but it's... Uh, see, that's, that's just a normal day in, in England. That's, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's, you know, it's dramatic. So, so right now I'm, t- I'm, uh, I'm, a, I'm clean shaven, but, you know, give me two weeks and I'll have the mustache will be back. And then... So, um, what, how did you sort of, um, find ways to express your creativity did you write poetry or uh, lyrics to songs or were you writing scripts at a young age or like making like small comedy sketches and performing on stage or yeah i mean it's, I, it's funny i have uh you know growing up my i think it was a lot of uh the, the video camera really was a thing was a big thing growing up my every year for my birthday my mom would rent a video camera and this is like it sounds crazy to even think about that like you just have one of these things and they make amazing pictures on your phone and back then it was like one of those shoulder rigs where you need like you know a, a, a guy to like pull Kate wrap cables and you know this huge battery pack that totally dwarfed me as a young child but we would run a video camera for a weekend and we would just make joke videos like or joke commercials or you know, the head, I with my friends, I made the uh, a commercial for the Nerf Brother Blaster, which is just a Nerf gun that I would just sneak up on my brother and just hit him with <laughs> Nerf balls. Or the uh, and we had a lot, mostly potty humor. It was mostly just poop and pee jokes uh-huh. uh, growing up. So, um, you know, we yeah. we made poop jokes basically on camera. <laughs> uh, we thought they were funny, but yeah. So so you know. Making videos was always a thing, and then uh, you know writing songs was was always a thing too. So I think yeah, it it was just part of part of everyday life. My my family is a very musical family. I grew up around a lot of a lot of musicians too. Mm-hmm. Is it is that from just being in uh, Chicago? Because obviously the music history of Chicago is like really legendary. So is it just? Do you find that a lot of people are just naturally musically driven? Like sort of like when I went to LA and just you could walk into any bar and there'd be just top-notch musicians. Yeah, I think I think Chicago certainly has an artist community. I think there's a big in particular there's a big like comedy scene here. Mm-hmm. Um with the Improv Olympic in Second City, Second City's where you know a lot of comedians like Chris Farley and uh, Bill Murray and all these people um, came through before they got to Saturday Night Live. Yeah, and so I think I think that part of it, the entertainment side of of it, especially comedy, is a big thing. I think there's lots of music here, um, and uh, for me though, it was a little different because I actually grew up in a small town 
out about eight hours away near Kansas City, Missouri. So I, uh, I grew up around a bunch of farm people and they all had acoustic guitars and they'd get together and my mom and her sisters and, and grandma would get together every, every weekend and, and play songs. So I grew up in little drum circles and acoustic jam sessions. Uh-huh. So with, um, with comedy then was the, um, a, a particular influence, like, was it kind of thrust upon you or did you find it yourself? in terms of like influence. Yeah, I think, yeah, I mean, I think, um, you know, my, my influences at a young age are probably my parents. Um, but they're, they're goofy as hell. So that I'm sure that had something to do with it. But I think that I always just was the person, you know, where my, my parents would be like, Hey, do that impersonation again. And they'd have their friends over (laughs) and I would do, this Marilyn Monroe impression singing happy birthday to John F. Kennedy, which is this famous, this famous thing. And, and, uh, I don't know. I mean, looking back, it just seems like the weirdest thing ever, but I'd put like, you know, balloons in my shirt (laughs) and do the whole, do the whole song. And I would sing it and their, you know, my parents, their friends would just have their face covered, try not to laugh. (laughs) Um, and I thought it was, I thought it was just making art, baby. Uh-huh. So, oh, um, I hope you were paid for these performances. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, little <laughs> did I know that you could eventually get paid to do stuff like that. So yeah, so, the, Mar- the Marilyn Monroe impressions are, are a side gig these days. <laughs> so d- d- I'm guessing maybe you, uh, took the Marilyn Monroe thing from uh, maybe Wayne's world. Oh. Yeah. That's the, you know, in terms of like, in terms of like, you know, movie and like actors and I think, you know, Mike Myers and like sort of that like 90s Saturday Night Live era was huge because we always watched Saturday Night Live. Um, so, yeah, that that's probably where it came from. And, um, you know, just that silly, goofy Really lowbrow humor is oh, my yeah. is my jam. <laughs> yeah, I'll stand by the nineties was the best time for just about everything. Um to the point where I've been told to move on quite a lot and um not <laughs> not not quite prepared to yet. Uh anything past nineteen ninety seven just kind of isn't worth, you know, any of the time, you know. Yeah, um, I just don't get it. <laughs> um so the nineties. Oh yeah, absolutely. So um as a, as going back to uh, wrestling then, did you uh, go to any shows as a kid? I never, you know, growing up, we it wasn't, you know, we didn't have a lot of money. Um, so we didn't get out to paying events, <laughs> events yeah. where you gave people money um, much. But, you know, it was one of those things where it's always been a dream. It's still a bucket list, even though that most of my, you know, childhood heroes are are not in the biz these days. Um, but I'm going to, my plan is to take my wife to one, uh, very, very soon and, and, uh, check that off the list. Ah, nice. See, uh, sorry, go for it. I was going to ask if you'd ever been to one. Yeah. Like, um, nothing international. Uh, they kind of come here maybe twice a year and there's lots of sort of, it's kind of a weird thing now that they're at, there's lots of really small independent companies that will bring in big names for like appearances and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. the, there's a lot of that going on, but 
again, being a fan of kind of the older stuff, um, I don't go and see too much, but I do go to like the conventions to meet heroes. It's kind of a weird thing because like you're kind of going to pay your hero to then pay compliments to him. <laughs> like, <laughs> like sort of like I had to sort of like get my head around wanting to be able to do that, and then once I did, and then I got to sort of like you know actually tick some uh, names off the pocket list kind of thing. Then. Um, it was kind of, it was very cool and and I've been lucky enough to interview several wrestlers for the podcast as well um I'm kind of shocked at how maybe I'm just like i don't know good at lying or something, but like I don't know how I'm able to get like really cool people such as yourself on the podcast so obviously I've done something right, so that's kind of cool just keep you know <laughs> keep lying just keep lying to them um no dude you're it's it's awesome I think that people love it when you know. They love connecting with, with uh, you know, like-minded people. If you're, whether they're, whether you're a fan or, you know, you both you both appreciate the same thing. I think, I think that you know that connect, that idea that there's like some, some uh, you know a cool person who is a star and you can't connect with your fans or your friends or whatever. That's kind of that's kind of going away more and more, I think, at least with cool, at least with legit good people. So that's awesome that you're able to talk to um, some of the wrestlers that you're, I'd, what was your favorite wrestler? What was your favorite uh, interview with oh, the wrestler? Um, oh, favorite. It's kind of weird. My favorite one was uh, with a guy called uh, Tom Buchanan, who was the uh, photographer there for about 18 years. Um, oh, wow. So, so I got to ask a lot about, um, like the production side and um, what went into like photo shoots and stuff like that really interested me because uh, the the thing is with a lot of the wrestlers, they have been interviewed a million times. So it's kind of, you try to take the conversation in different directions and usually not ask about their like steroid past <laughs> or like sort of right. like, you know, or, or, you know, I'm not, I'm not big on sort of like, like, basically like shit digging expeditions i don't want it to be that kind of thing i don't want to like offend my guest so <laughs> if i can help it um sure and and i'm genuinely a fan as well like i i get the feeling that a lot of the sort of um and this could be suicide saying this especially if they listen to it but like a lot of the sort of uh quote-unquote wrestling podcasts are there just to kind of dig dirt and sort of uncover scandal because it's kind of a weird um community where if someone gets a guest on and they say something that's kind of newsworthy then lots of like wrestling newsletters and websites kind of pick up on it and then it kind of gives the podcast or the interviewer like a lot of um exposure i guess but i don't think right. it's, i don't sure. think i don't think it's for the right reasons though um yeah that's just me yeah but, but it's all good you're playing you're playing the long game you know you got to you got to uh Put some good out into the world. I, Hopefully I, that it'll, it'll it'll pay back. You know, I pay it so. forward. I think so. And and you know, um, with what you do as well, like is it is it kind of is this your job? Is this like everything that you do? Sort of thing. I feel sort of cheeky asking that. <laughs> it's it's all good. It, uh, yeah, I, I also make videos. Mm-hmm. As like people hire me to make videos too. Uh, so porn videos. So I have. Yeah, just porn. Yeah, um, you know, web. I'm a web girl, <laughs> and uh, actually, um, 
my wife thought it would be funny or not funny, but she has a, her and a friend has a, have a business idea that they thought that, you know, maybe people would pay them like a web girl to watch them just sleep. Oh, like there's probably some weird fetish out there. Dude. uh, Like every time a friend like sort of, I'm with a friend and he's like, Oh, I'm so broke. I'm like, just set up a webcam and just old men will watch you just, dance or <laughs> like but then when they seriously consider it i'm like no don't i don't want to take any of the heat for being the person that gets you killed because you've set up a webcam and someone starts following you around or something like that so yeah, uh, yeah. but but like the day that i've i've exactly the same frame of mind as well like the day that i find the the community that likes to watch a, a guy on webcam eat ice cream I'm so fucking in with that. You're gonna, you're gonna kill it. Oh my god! Like you know, I, I just, I, I get too excited about the thought of it as well. When I'm like in my yeah. lowest ebb, you know, have you, have you ever seen Zack and Mary make a porno? The uh, Kevin Smith movie. Yeah, of course. Yeah, it, it's like, you know, I, I would hate to think how many people that has influenced um, <laughs> into actually making uh, home, homemade porn. But that, that's the thing; everyone's doing it now, so it's hard to make money from it. Like. <laughs> Right. Yeah, in any just, fi- in any field of entertainment, like, do you find that it's hard to stand out because there are so many people doing so many things that you have to really put the effort in to be original? And do you f- do you feel that like people take notice of the originality as much as your talent, sort of thing? Yeah, yeah. I think I think it it is hard. I think it also, you know, as an entertainer you want to stand out, you want to find ways to connect with people. And sometimes you have to do, you know, sometimes you find yourself doing things that are just for the, just for the sake of standing out, you know, doing something outlandish or wearing something, whatever. But I think that, um, I always found the most fulfillment and the most success even where I was doing something that I just thought was really hilarious yeah. Or that I knew my was going to make my friends laugh, or that I knew was going to like I really felt like genuinely good about this song or or whatever it is. Versus like trying to think about okay, how many people can I get there? How many how much attention can I get by doing this? Mm-hmm. I think there are plenty of people who are like who are great at getting attention and succeeding and that sort of thing with doing you know like you said talking about a, on a podcast about some dirt that they have on another wrestler or whatever, or, you know, whatever that is. But I don't know. It's just not my bag, baby. It's just not, um, not very fulfilling at the end of the day. It's, it's, it's very, uh, short term pleasure that I get out of that. So I think that it speaks to our generation as well, that we, were creating content like you say just because we like to create content now maybe people are too i I sound like an old man but like the kids today you know the the kind of maybe a bit too aware of the fact that people could see what they are doing and they maybe try a bit too hard to you know um just create stuff for the sake of it instead of actually enjoying it sort of like the the chase for fame basically yeah Um, it's it's addicting i think and the fact that you know, maybe we, I also feel like an old man always talking about this, but maybe the fact that we did, you know, we didn't have that as much of that access or that connection 
you know, year, you know, years ago when the internet wasn't such a thing, um, you didn't have that instant like gratification that you could have now where right now you can just throw a Snapchat, a Instagram post or whatever and get all these likes right away or whatever, whatever it is you're doing, it's instant connection to people. And I think that sort of it, you know, people at the, you know, that's a, that's a basic human need is, is community and connection. <clears throat> but I think that it can also lead to like that sort of, you know, surface level attention and, and fame and, and that's that sort of thing that it's so easy to, to do that now that you, you know, we're so connected through our apps and our Instagram and our social media. Did, did you feel that it was, did it ever become hard to maintain a balance and not get too addicted to likes and, you know, um, follows and all that kind of thing? I think I like, I, I think I struggle with it a little bit. I think I, because I don't find myself, you know, it, it is a little bit harder for me to get on Instagram or on whatever than probably the average young kid today because I, it isn't my natural thing. I'm not always thinking about it. I'm not always thinking about, oh, I should share that yeah. on Instagram. But, you know, when I do, you know, when I do something and it, it gets a big, a, you know, a lot of applause or when I get some sort of reaction. I'm always, it, it gives, a, gives you like a little rush and it is a little addicting. So I, I think I'm a normal, you know, I clearly, I like attention <laughs> if you just look at my, what I wear and, and all that kind of stuff. But, um, I think there is a, you know, a safe amount of that, uh, that you can, uh, you can, you can have without like letting it go too far to your head. Uh, and and sort of, um, I have asked guests this before, uh, because of um, your presentation and uh, your over the top persona and everything. Have dudes ever sent you dick pics? Yeah, I'm trying to think. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm just I was trying to. There's so many, and I'm trying to think which ones stand out uh, the most. No pun um, intended, though. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, you know, I, I think there's been a couple over the years, um, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> yeah, I guess, I mean, there's, there's definitely been, you know, things online, things in person that have happened that, you know, unwelcomed attention, <laughs> so to speak, <laughs> um, that, uh, you know, that's, that stuff has certainly happened and, uh, you know, I guess it maybe comes with the territory. You're eventually going to get somebody's attention that you don't want. <laughs> I guess, especially after like national TV exposure as well. Like, did did you did everything kind of explode after uh, America's Got Talent? In terms of, I think there was a little burst in the you know a little a little bump in the uh, you know attention. I guess there in in terms of people sort of reaching out, connecting with me and that sort of thing. I mean, it's such a, I think that people's, you know, it, again, we live in this like attention economy and like people see the bright, shiny thing that, especially people who watch a show like that, mm -hmm. um, they see a bright, shiny thing for a, for a second. And they're like, Oh, this is so exciting. And then that goes away and it's the next bright and shiny thing. Um, you know, days later. So I, it's it, funny enough. It wasn't like some massive, um, Oh my God, I'm a star. Uh, and because it just, you know, wasn't, there's so much of that. And it's funny because the show like that, 
I mean, literally anybody. It's at some point they're going to run out of people to have on the show. Oh, I don't know. They, <laughs> I don't, don't think so. I'm watching. That's, I'm watching the UK one, and our population's nowhere near as big. And uh, the, uh, yeah, some of the acts that have been on this show have been uh, they've been something else to say the least. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it just it's it just seems you know it's one of those things where I think everybody has a chance at their 15 minutes of fame, mm-hmm. and whether it's on a TV show or social media. I mean, it's like most, I don't know how many times we're going to say kids these days, but <laughs> most kids these days, it's like, they don't even watch TV. They don't even like watch shows like that. They want, they're like, it's the YouTube generation, you know, they, their stars are on YouTube. And this is very, it. this is very true. And one of the more depressing things that kind of was a realization, there was a Simpsons quiz, uh, at a, a local bar, uh, a couple of weeks ago. And, it just kind of struck me that there is a generation now that probably doesn't even know the Simpsons. Oh, totally. Isn't that like the most I mean, depressing thing ever? <laughs> yeah. And I don't know what, what makes me so depressed. It's like, am I sad for them or is there like a little piece of me dying because <laughs> that, that isn't living on, you know, that, that thing that connects us, right. We're used to, I don't know about you, but you know, growing up, I don't think I, ever even communicated if I if I didn't have movies and the Simpsons I would have probably never said a word to my friends uh-huh. because we just <laughs> communicate in quotes mm-hmm. you know from the from these shows and that's how that's how we express <laughs> ourselves um and like the idea that that's you know that that artwork I mean I'm going to call it art uh is something that isn't like as relevant today as it's just it is depressing yeah, but but we'll not end on a depressing note because. Um, okay, perfect. Good. <laughs> I want people to come back and listen to the show. Um, so at the moment, because uh, like I'm, I feel lucky that you have given me some of your time because I can imagine that you're pretty busy with like a lot of different projects. So like, what are you doing at the moment that is uh, that you want to sort of promote and get out there? Because you, you you had yeah. the you had the uh, pledge was it a pledge music last last year. Um, yeah, last year last year was all about like Romeo Dance Cheetah's album. So I released an album and I did a pledge music thing, and that was really awesome. And it was it was the first sort of solo album that I did. Yeah. Um, and this year uh, we're sort of doing a head, kind of going back to the flavor savers. So my my other group that again it is my character Romeo Dance Cheetah, but it's two other guys, um, my brother and a guy I met on Craigslist ten years ago. Um, and we, uh, you know, rap about mustaches and mustache rides and, um, all kinds of really highbrow type, uh, funny things. And, (laughs) and, uh, so we're playing at the X games is a, is something we've been connected with the past couple of years. We're performing there this summer and we've got a show in Chicago in a couple of weeks and, um, and we're working on a sketch series with a bunch of people from second city so we've got a bunch of flavor saver stuff going on that I'm super excited about right now. Nice. And it's hard, like from experience, cause I'm a musician as well. It's kind of hard to do music with comedy and make it good because <laughs> I've seen people die on stage trying to do music and comedy and you do it incredibly well. And it's very, oh, it's very funny and it's technically really good as well, which is like, again, a hard thing to really sort of, you know, uh, mash the two things together and make it really work. And, uh, yeah, like, like I said, on, like I said on Instagram, you have a fan. 
Yeah, I'm sure you got lots of fans. Yeah, I'm sure you got lots. I'm sure you got lots of fans, but you have another fan. Well, so. Yeah, you, you and my mom. So <laughs> it's great. We'll be there at the convention and um, ask you all the nerdy questions. Like, I hope, um, I hope so. It's gonna be huge. <laughs> so yeah, before before we go, thank you for doing this. Um, one of my podcast heroes, who I I I don't think you'll will know, but he's called Richard Herring, and he has done comedy for years in the UK. And I bought a book. I went to see him last week, and uh, he has a book called Emergency Questions, um, which are questions that you Ooh. can ask at any point, you know, at a party or whatever. And he uses them during his podcast. Uh, so I'm going to ask you an emergency question. Uh, and if he if he sues me, then you know I've got no money, so you can you can have some of my wrestling figures or something. You know, yeah, that's all I've got. You can have it all. Yeah, that's, that's all. hold um, those tightly. <laughs> but but I'm promoting this book, so you, should, you know you should be happy about that. But um, yeah, so emergency question: uh, Would you rather right. have a hand made out of ham, or an armpit that dispenses sun cream? Ooh, an armpit. Yeah, I think for sure. Yeah, there. My, I mean, well, that, especially going into the hot Chicago summer, I think I'm, I could really get a lot of use out of that armpit. That's true, but the ham, the the, the hand, ham hand would grow back as well. It's not like you just, you know, once it's gone, it's okay. Because you could use. So it. I, I, you didn't, say, you didn't clarify that. Uh, um, okay, okay. Because if that's an, an infinite ham hand, mm-hmm. then I feel like I could feel I could feed the world. <laughs> um, you could feed the world. So. I think I'm going. I'm going to switch in back to ham hand because that's a little bit more selfless. Uh, you're a good man. You see, um, style icon, filth merchant, and philanthropist. You should get that on a t-shirt. Yeah, get that on a t-shirt, but spell it out just with rhinestones. I think that would be beautiful. Is filth filth and anthropist? <laughs> Can we combine those two things? Right. Okay. Well, I'm I'm literally with my finger now doing the copyright sign. I think that's okay, a, I, that's how you copyright stuff on a podcast. Right? Actually, doing I that. think science. Yeah, that's that's how that's how it works legally. <laughs> I, it's much easier in England than it is over here. I, I think it is. Like, if you record a song, you can mail it yourself, and the because the envelope's got the stamp on it and the time and the date and everything, then that means it is copyrighted, and that is a way to prove that you wrote that song and recorded mm, it. So, that would have been so much cheaper. <laughs> that's must. That's how the Beatles did it. Uh-huh. Makes a lot of sense. <laughs> well, look. Um, do I call you Mister Dance Cheetah? Um, Sir Dance Cheetah would be totally acceptable. Okay, I'll I'll bow as well. And uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> thank you, thank you for doing this. And you you have so much going on. And I would love to have you back on to chat, uh, talk about your other projects as well. Um, and I really appreciate that you've uh, spent some time on the show. And uh, yeah, thank thank you very much. Yeah, you got it. it was, it's been a pleasure talking to you, and uh, and good luck with everything, man. Thank you. Where, where does this rank amongst all of your media appearances and interviews, and, <laughs> Inclu- including America's Got Talent? Where does it rank? Oh, yeah. Well, in terms of um, just a, a good old conversation, it's up there. It's way up there. I mean, you know, I had on America's Got Talent. I, you know, I didn't. I didn't have as much love coming at me on the show. I saw that, um, yeah. Um, you know, so I really thought that, uh, I thought Fartman was going to like it a little bit more than he did, but it's all good. So so I think, um, you know, it's fun to talk wrestling. I don't think I've even, I've done that with any interviewer or podcaster or anybody. So um, it's oh. got to be number, a very close number 36. 
Oh, I'll, I'll take I'm... it. I'll take it. Um, and, you know, we'll, we'll totally talk. Uh, look, I will talk wrestling and bore people to death with wrestling. So we can <laughs> totally uh, talk about wrestling again at some point. Um, but yes, again, thank you for coming on the show and uh, we will talk again soon. That sounds great. Goodbye. 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 Goodbye.